Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip. A podcast for diverse millennials to help make sense of COVID-19 and the decisions made by our political leaders. Stay tuned as we parse through the weekly events and announcements that impact us. Shall we? Let's do it. Welcome to The Drip. We have another week of COVID-19 news, starting off with our health segment. Curtis, tell us what's been up with the health. Hey, patients. I hope you're blessed and highly favored, first and foremost. I am very much highly favored. So regarding health, on the one hand, we've hit our peak in COVID-19 cases as a country. On the other hand, individual jurisdictions like Ontario and Quebec well, they'll need to take a bit longer to reopen and will have to be much more methodical than other provinces like, say, Saskatchewan, which has far less cases and which has far less population density. We still have some major problems, though, and here's one, and I quote from the Toronto Star, in the early days of COVID, experts were skeptical of initial reports of asymptomatic cases which weren't thought to play a significant role in spreading the disease. But four months on, There's mounting evidence that silent spreaders are a major driver of the pandemic, with top scientists now speculating they could comprise between 25 and 50% of all cases. Whoa. So you've been wearing your mask when you go out, right? Uh, I'm going to be real with you, patients. I know I said I was going to, but, um, you know, I, I thought I was pretty healthy. And therefore, and then on top of that, obviously, the fact that I was not seeing people, I thought that that would be enough. but data doesn't lie. And if we're talking about between an added 25 to 50% of cases coming from people who don't know they're sick, well, I think I need to start being a bit more responsible. What do you think? Yeah, I think so as well. But but I also think there may be a bit of a silver lining here. What do you think? Do you think that it's it's good that some people maybe are asymptomatic? Well, it, it certainly is because that is going to speed up the process of finding a vaccine. And look, what it comes down to is that there are three types of asymptomatic spreaders. And asymptomatic means people who do not show symptoms, right? So the first type of asymptomatic spreader is those who are quote unquote pre-symptomatic. These are people who seem healthy when they test positive, but later develop symptoms. Then there's true asymptomatics. I know that if uh, if I'm one of those people who might be spreading, then I'm somebody who's asymptomatic because I don't feel sick. I don't look sick. I don't, you know, there's no sickness emanating from me at all, as far as I know. And then finally, there are subclinical infections. And these are infections where people have mild symptoms, 
but fail to recognize them as being COVID. I think of my mom, actually. I remember when COVID was just blowing up and I went to go take care of her uh, because she was really sick. I, I do think that a lot of immigrants are less trusting of the, the medical system here because it seems like everything used to treat any kind of virus or sickness is synthetic rather than being organic. And my mom, for instance, has been using um, oil of oregano pills, which have been proven to do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) she insists that she feels better. They give her a boost. And they're... (laughs) They come from the earth. So I think I think that that's something that we have to be aware of. I don't know if you know this, Curtis, but I sit on the board of the of the, the Rexdale Community Health Center, um, one of the um, community health centers that serves an overwhelmingly immigrant population. Tell me more. Yeah, and and that population also, you know, they they don't always um, want to to take synthetic medication. They they want natural alternatives, and I think that. Under, under normal circumstances, everybody kind of understands that. But under circumstances like this, I think there's more coaching that can be done to kind of walk people through how we, we fix this in, in a way that is most efficient. But I, I do think that um, the subclinical folks who uh, have a cough, who have a sneeze, who, who have a fever and don't want to, to go to the hospital, I, I understand uh, where that comes from. Yeah. And look, I, I, I can understand it too. I can understand if people are afraid of their health practitioners as people of color in particular, or women in particular, because there's plenty of data showing that because of preconceived notions, biases, women, people of color just do not receive as good a level of care as people who are uh, just white. That's the reality in Western, in Western, Western civilization. At the same time, though, um, we also have to acknowledge that there, there are people who are, you know, they don't want to take, quote unquote, synthetic medication, not because they want organic food, but just because they are more susceptible to fake news from the alt-right. And look, I eat, my weekly meals are two-thirds plant-based. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those people who, who knows, not just thinks, who knows that because of my diet, I am better, I'm, I'm quite frankly healthier than most others, right? But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to take the idea of a vaccine for COVID-19 or any other sort of synthetic medication that is specifically meant to deal with a particular illness, seriously. Mm-hmm. So other people should do that too. Bottom line, there's now a large body of science suggesting that while symptomatic cases are still the most important source of contagion, a surprising proportion of COVID infections may be happening undetected which raises questions about our strategy of only testing those with symptoms. So remember, even if you don't feel sick, you could be spreading COVID. You could be spreading the Rona. It's why we need to stay home and away from others if you can. That doesn't mean you can't go for walks, but it does mean you need to keep physically distanced six feet apart from others you don't live with. Remember, guys, the more effective we are at this, the faster we can reopen our economy. And maybe we can even enjoy a little summer and I can see some sundresses. Wait, what? Summer, summer, summer time. (laughs) 
So Curtis, what's going on in terms of politics? You know what? This is, there's some really interesting news coming out of pollsters uh, from last week. Here's the news. An overwhelming amount of Canadians approve of Justin Trudeau's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's similar news for Ford and all premiers too. At the end of the day, due to the overall response they've given thus far, our leaders are riding very high in the polls. Now, can I break that down for y'all real quick? Like, can I do that? Break it down for us real quick. So according to a survey from Ipsos, 74% of Canadians approve of JT's performance. Now, that's a feat in and of itself, but it's especially so if you compare that number to his approval ratings when he won the 2019 election. Back then in October, he was hovering near the 40% mark. So that's a huge jump. Doug Ford, same thing. It's even bigger. Now, he's feeling the love in the sense that before all this, <laughs> we remember what happened at the Raptors championship parade, right? The booze. <laughs> I mean, my guy was at 20% back then. Now, he's at 83%. Why? So the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, this is how he put it. He said, Canadians, they turn to government for solutions in times of crisis. I'd argue this is a cultural tendency for Canadians. We regard government as the best institution for achieving our collective goals. A crisis is when we most see this tendency come to the surface. So patients, I think I know your answer, but I'll ask anyway. How do you feel about JT's performance? I think Justin has done an excellent job of being there when we need him with these daily press conferences and and keeping tabs on Canadians and listening to to people and what they need from him. He has exhibited great leadership. He has really, really, he he has led like, and he's high in in emotional intelligence, which is needed at this time. So I, I think he has done an outstanding job. And I think he has really impressed people who just thought, you know, he was Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son. What about you, Curtis? How do you feel about Doug Ford's performance? You know what? I mean, look, uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Before COVID-19, I was highly anticipating that Doug Ford would be a one-term premier. Um, What we also know based on uh, emergencies and things like pandemics when they happen around the world is they either make or break leaders in the sense that Their electorate either rewards them for their efforts and for their policies they put forward that help people, or they throw them out of office. Because of Doug Ford's response to COVID-19 and because he's doing what Ontarians expect of him, I, at this point, am pretty confident he's going to be reelected. Again, that's if things don't change, though. So look, at the end of the day, he's doing a good job. All I can expect from him is that he continues. Okay, time for the economy. Patience, tell us what's going on. This week, there were some pretty big announcements when it came to post-secondary students and and recent graduates. Nearly $9 billion uh, worth of comprehensive support for this group. So this will provide financial support that they need this summer and will help them continue their studies in the fall. I can can tell you from the perspective of a, a teaching assistant and a graduate student, at at Ryerson that it has been really, really different. It has been a total, total slog. But the measures include launching a proposed Canada Emergency Student Benefit 
which will provide support to students and new graduates who are not eligible for the CERB. And this will provide about $1,250 per month for eligible students or $1,750 per month for eligible students with dependents or disabilities. And this will be available all summer long from May until August 2020. And then there's, there's an additional pot of money, which I found very, very interesting. The new Canada Student Service Grant, which will help students gain valuable work experience and skills while they help their communities during the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is for students who choose to do national service and serve their communities. It will provide up to $5,000 directly towards their education in the fall. Now, this is a, a kind of policy lever that we haven't seen used that extensively. I'm not sure if people understand what will happen, but essentially what happens is, let's say you're, you're studying health studies at uh, the University of Toronto, and as part of your health studies diploma or your health studies degree, you decide that you're going to support the COVID-19 effort at Princess Margaret's Hospital. You won't get, get the money from the government per se, but you will get $5,000 against your tuition directly with your school. I'm not sure how they're going to operationalize that, but that's a really different form of, of funding. I think what they're doing is, is trying to boost um, the institutions directly rather than giving the money to um, individuals. And it's, it's very interesting. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on well, that? I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think it's a great plan. I think that $9 billion for students, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't know what to compare and contrast to, but $9 billion for students alone is, I think, unheard of. So if there are you know, Gen Zers listening to this right now, even other millennials like us who decided to return to school, um, you know, this proves that this federal government cares about students. But over and beyond that, I, look, this $5,000 that can be used uh, under the Canada Student Service Grant, I think it's great because it's meant to get students to be part of the solution to COVID-19. Right. And at the same time, it also benefits students because five thousand dollars towards their education. I mean, that's a, that's their semester paid for. Basically, basically, that is, their that is my <laughs> semester paid for. So, yeah. I mean, look, if you ask me, yo, Curtis, are you looking at are you looking to volunteer? Hell yeah, I'm looking to volunteer. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I want to help, period. But to have my tuition covered. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah. And I think it also encourages people to go back to school. Um, I think, you know, we don't know what situation people are in. And I think connecting this benefit to educational institutions is, is huge. But really important for anyone who's in grad studies is that they're going to be extending any of your graduate research scholarships or postdoctorate fellowships and supplementing existing grants um, by providing $291 million extra dollars to the federal granting councils which is crazy crazy so the federal granting councils everybody who's a grad student should know them there's NSERC there's SHRC so this is a lot of money so if you didn't think you were going to apply for any of those grants or scholarships to support your research this is the year to do it I don't care if you're studying Beyonce you can study Beyonce during COVID Okay. You better study that beehive and get that money. 
<laughs> but it's 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 really really great. I, I think to me, it seems like the intent um, from the the federal government is to make Canada during COVID and and post COVID a research hub for the world. We're trying to really invest in people who are who are in post secondary so that everyone can can build a career in research and can really contribute to um you know growing like as a planet as a human race and i I think that's so powerful Uh, the federal government is putting money um towards research in this way yeah i think it's very important and and uh, you know there are i'm sure plenty of reasons why it's happening i can't help but wonder if one of the reasons too is that the U.S. under President Donald Trump is abdicating its responsibility for world leadership in just about every arena, including health, obviously. So it means that countries like Canada are going to have to... St- <laughs> okay, y'all, listen, I'm, 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 lis- I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying about this podcast, and I'm looking at the patients right now, and patients' face is like, tell them, Curtis. <laughs> We're going to have to get back to Donald Trump and, and give us about five minutes. We're going to get to Donald Trump. Oh, we going to get to him. <laughs> but I love that you said abdicating responsibility. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes, he is. Yeah. So good to see that Canada and other countries are stepping up that responsibility to ensure that we are safe generations into the future. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. More close to home, uh, we're seeing some good news here in Ontario. I mean, it, it originally emanated from the federal government, but it's downloaded to each province. Uh, here in Ontario, our frontline workers are finally receiving pandemic pay. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! <laughs> now, the pay is to provide additional support for frontline workers fighting COVID-19. So the Ontario government is providing a temporary pandemic pay of $4 an hour worked on top of their regular wages. In addition, the government will be providing monthly lump sum payments of $250 for four months to eligible frontline workers who work over 100 hours per month. According to Ford, this bonus means eligible employees working an average of 40 hours per week would receive $3,560 in additional compensation. It's not tons of money, but it will absolutely change someone's experience of COVID-19 or someone's ability to take care of their families. Absolutely. And so I'm very much in support of this pay. I'm happy that it's happening. The pay will be effective for 16 weeks as of April 24th. So it's a little bit retroactive and it's going to last 
all the way through to August 13th. And who knows, maybe it'll even last longer, depending on how COVID-19 continues to evolve. It's expected to support 350,000 frontline workers. So you just mentioned patients that this could literally change somebody's perspective, not only on COVID-19, but on life. Yeah. On life. So I'm happy it's happening. 350,000 people are going to be a lot happier moving forward. And I hope, I hope, I hope that notwithstanding the stress they're experiencing day to day at their jobs, they have some sort of ability to enjoy that added pay. So great news. Who's, who's actually getting the money though? So you guys that are managers, you're making enough money. Just, just have several seats. Thank you very much. This money will go to frontline staff in healthcare and long-term care and social services and corrections. We've included a full list of who's getting paid that extra $4 per hour in our podcast suite. So, but if you want to know who's getting the pay, take a look at that list. So guess what, Curtis? Tell me why, Juan. The U.S. is opening up again. Um, yeah, I mean, can, am I allowed to say they're stupid or no? Yes, you are. They're stupid. Republican Governor Brian Kemp, so this is the governor of Georgia, allowed gyms, barbershops, hair salons, tattoo parlors, and bowling alleys to reopen their doors this weekend. Fam, there's no other way to say it. A holy body my dead. Honestly, uh, I, I actually, I, I'm actually shaking. You can't. Yeah, it's, it's not, like we're not laughing here. We're, we're actually not smiling. Demagadet. And this is just a couple of weeks after he told everybody to go home. So you tell people, okay, go home, just chill. And then two weeks later, you say, okay, nah, uh, my bad. Go back to work. Yeah, Barber shops, hair this- salons, where you literally touch other people. All day? So guys, this is what it looks like when your government cares more about GDP than people. He didn't even say, oh, take it slow, you know, maybe only do house call. Like, there were no measures to manage the reopening of of Georgia. None. The incompetence is astounding. And you know what's even worse, Curtis? The modeling showed that they that they should not even begin to reopen until at least June 22nd. Right. So they're skirting the advice of professionals. Why? I don't know. I guess certain leaders in the United States are also uh, giving in to conspiracy theories, which is not good. Let's compare and contrast here because we've heard announcements in Canada that provinces are going to start opening up gradually too. The difference between what's happening in Canada and what's happening in the United States, well, there's, there's different things. One is that we have essentially hit peak. I mean, things can change, but we've essentially hit peak cases for COVID-19. So now we can, we can at least start having a conversation to say, when it gets to X point, and we don't know what that is just yet, but when it gets to X point of cases or X amount of, of contact tracing capability or X amount of, of testing capability, we can start opening up the economy bit by bit. And that, again, to Doug Ford's credit, is exactly what he's doing. He's saying, listen, we're going to open it up bit by bit. We are not going to do it all at once. And I tell you, I I wish I had a quote here, but basically Ford is being very, very thoughtful about this. So those other types of conservatives in the United States, they're on something. But you know what's what's perhaps 
the, the most sad to me is that in the United States, because the states have, I would argue, slightly more power than the federal level, which is, and I'm not even going to start to talk about Trump and, and how he doesn't have strong leadership, but because the states have so much power, people can now go to the barber and go to the hair salon in Georgia and drive two hours away to Louisiana, a state that, that has maintained its controls. And there's no, there's no way to, to protect people who live somewhere else other than for them to stay home. And that is, that is devastating for a country that is so large, for a country that, I don't know if they've reached a million cases yet or are, are fa- very quickly approaching a million cases, it, it's it's terrifying to see them reopen. And I just want to restate something that we said last week. You better not open that Canadian-U.S. border. It better not. If people are coming out, going to the barber, going to tattoo parlors, literally jobs where you touch people all day, not even to talk about, you know, places like the store, like the, I know all, all you black ladies listening are waiting for the hair store to open up. Not even to talk about the store where you don't even have to touch anybody, but barbershops, hair salons, tattoo parlors. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They're not taking this seriously. So like we said, that border better stay closed. And um, I think that we're going to see over the next few months, um, a reckoning in the Southern United States. And look, I, I don't wish death on anybody, anybody, um, but I think that uh, some people are going to need to feel in order yeah, to... I was going to say that. I was going to say, Curtis, has your mom ever told you those who do not hear must feel? Way too many times for even things that she shouldn't have said it for. But the reality is, it's true. Yeah, so do we have any questions for the audience this week? So here's my question, guys. For decades, Canada has been welcoming 60,000 foreign farm workers each spring from Mexico and the Caribbean, enough of them from Jamaica, to assist with farm production. Due to COVID-19, Canada is short 56,000 of those 60,000 workers because they can't travel due to travel restrictions. These are the same people who literally enable us to eat. So if those foreign workers can't get here, or if there aren't enough of them, that doesn't bode well for our food supply. So my question is this, what do you think our government should do to improve food security post COVID-19? And if I may, another related question is traditionally the people who come to Canada to farm from Mexico and the Caribbean are typically not granted a roadmap to citizenship that would include going from a, a temporary resident to a permanent resident and then to a citizen. Should these people be given a roadmap to citizenship, being as how they feed us? They literally go to Leamington and Niagara and farms in Northern Ontario and farm so that we can eat. If you don't mind, I'd like to tell you a brief story. I was talking to um, a cousin of mine who lives in the St. Catharines area who I've never met yet. But uh, we spoke and he was the first person that truly alerted me to the fact that in St. Catharines, you'll find a lot of Jamaicans, a lot of Jamaicans, and they're not citizens. Why are they there? Because they're picking food for Canadians. It's a thing. Traditionally, Canadians don't want to do those jobs. That's exactly it. 
Canadians who are permanent residents and who are citizens who may be unemployed do not want to, to do those roles. I think in an age where we're experiencing mass unemployment, it may be time that we reconsider the value of, of farmers and share some of that, share some of that labor, right? Have people who are unemployed, look into farming, learn how to farm and help to feed Canadians. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. Remember, we're all in this together, and this forum is meant to be a sort of safe space to foster community. So slide in our DMs with any questions or feedback you have, and we promise to respond. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at PatienceEve. And I'm on Instagram at State of Vermont. See you next time, everyone. Bye-bye. You know, it's getting pretty wild out there. We've heard about shootings and other instances of violence all across the greater Toronto area. And we're urging people to please stay home. And if you can't, please continue to be vigilant and stay safe. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fisson, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutant. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs.